I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind and a teachable spirit. From this moment forward, I will never be the same. Shout it out. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord one more hand. He's worthy. Amen. God is awesome. What an incredible father we have. Amen. Here it is, Father's Day. Let's take a step towards the Father. Amen. Press in and increase that relationship with our Father. You know, I've talked to several men today, and, and uh, you know, one of the things that they just uh, are in agreement that they would just love to have on Father's Day is an awareness that their child is thinking about them. Just, you know, just think about it. Just give him a call. Uh, you know what? If you're here today and your father's not with you, do him a favor and call him up. Well, I haven't talked to him in years. Call him up. You know, call that man and thank him for investing into your life. Amen? Let's, let's honor our fathers today. And let's realize that uh, if children are a blessing from God, but so are the parents. Amen? And equipped, equipped and uh, empowered by God to do a job that seems impossible. I don't know if there's anything that will help you walk in faith more than a house full of children. Amen. <laughs> I think there's three words every father needs to hear. Just hang on. Just hang on. Look, look at somebody down the aisle there and just tell them, just hang on. Whether it's fathering, parenting, Life in general, how you know it can get kind of crazy, right? Chaos, chaos, it can become quite hectic, but yet we, we do the best we can. We do the best we can. Shelby and I have the opportunity to minister to many people, and quite often parents struggle because they, they look at the outcome uh, of, of their children and their current condition and uh, you know, well, to be honest, a lot of parents are disappointed and, and the enemy uses that to, to press them down and to put a weight on them and, and to convince them that uh, they should take on a thought life that tells them that they uh, were less than a perfect parent, that they, there's something wrong with their parenting skill. And I want you to know today that perfect parents do not produce perfect children. Sometimes children uh, do things that we don't understand, that we're not in agreement with, and make choices and decisions. They happen to be agents of free will just like we are. And they go off into life and they can have a season that is frustrating to you. Just remember the final outcome is always going to be better than the current condition. You have promises from God to stand on, and if you'll stand on those promises, you'll see them come to pass if you just do what God says to do. There are days when it can seem frustrating and disappointing, but it, it is not a sign of your parenting that you need to be uh, focused upon. Perfect parents don't produce perfect children. If you need a biblical example, go to Genesis, start reading at the front of the book. You find God, who is the perfect father, who had two children, Adam and Eve, who didn't do all that well. Okay, so you got the perfect parent, but with imperfect children. So you know what? I don't know about you guys, but that that kind of makes me feel a little better to know that God struggled with his children, 
And, you know, there are days when we struggle. Don't be uh, condemned. Don't live under a spirit of condemnation. That, you know, the Bible says if our heart condemns us not, then we have confidence towards God. The other side of that coin is that all the enemy has to do to sabotage your confidence in God is to attack you and cause you to live under condemnation. So don't be under condemnation. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who, who are called, right, who love God. There ain't no con- Are you in Christ? Then there is no condemnation. Obviously, you've made mistakes. There, there were things that you'd like to do better. Well, learn from that and move on. But don't let that thing grip you and hold you from uh, the position of victory that God wants you to be in. You are a good parent. You're doing a tough job, but you're doing the best you can. Well, we celebrate that. Amen. Amen. So God giving us a great example, but we don't always uh, look at the places where there was struggle in that relationship. We always look at the great victories. We'll realize there's struggle in relationship. Relationship is going to produce confrontation. Confrontation is going to produce chaos, and, and that's just part of life. So here we go. We're just going to, we're going to do our best. Amen? Said so we're going to do our best. Somebody say, that's me. You know, if the enemy could, there are several things that he'd like to rip from your grip. Anything that God places within your possession, you have hell hunting you trying to pull that out of your hand. Why? Because even your enemy recognizes the importance of what God gives you. God has never given a gift without a purpose, without an intended purpose. He hasn't created anything without a purpose for that thing for which he created. Right? I mean, if you've got it, then there's probably a use that God intends you to use it for. You know, what's scary is that a lot of times we take what comes into our possession, we use it however we we want, and we've never even talked to God about the purpose of that possession. Well, God doesn't give possessions without purpose, right? So everything in your hand, there's an intended use for that thing. So you got hell hunting you, trying to pull out of your hand the possession that God's placed there, and hell understands with much more clarity than we do what, the, in, what that could produce as far as damage to the powers of darkness. You realize that everything you've got can be used to demonstrate Satan's defeat. Everything you touch can be used to humiliate hell. You, you, you've got an attitude that's just a good attitude. You're beating hell up every day just with your attitude. You know, you get some dollars and you, you, you bring some and, and give it to God. You are demonstrating Satan's defeat. It, it don't make any difference what it is if it's in your hand. Hell's trying to pull that out of your grip. So today we want to talk about getting a grip, and it's Father's Day, so we'll talk about getting a grip on fatherhood. It's not just a message for fathers, so I got one little chunk in there specifically for the fathers, but all of us need to realize we got to get a grip on what God's given to us. Amen? Yeah, I said you got to get a grip on what God's given to you. You got to get a hold of it and learn how to use it and, and, and uh, you know, it would help if we just become aware that God has given us some things that can make a tremendous difference. Sometimes we, are, we have a tendency to look at everything that we don't have and wish that we had it, and we overlook everything we do have. And everything, according to the Word of God, He has given us all things that pertain unto life and to godliness. So really, you are already positioned for a life of victory and uh, the ability to just thrash hell. You already have it. And when God brings you more, he just increases that ability. But you're already positioned to win. You've got everything you need to really have a victorious Christian life. If you'll just step into it, press into it, use what God's given you, unlock the potential, 
You're not accountable to God simply for that which you possess. You're accountable to God for the potential that's locked inside that which you possess. There's something inside every seed that'll produce a great harvest in your life. We've got to stop allowing the enemy to tear out of our hand things that God has given us, situations, opportunities, uh, right on down to material possession. There's a reason you've got it. Make sure that you find that, that you locate that, and that you glorify God with that. Somebody say amen. I don't want to give to the enemy stuff that God has prepared for me. I quoted this earlier. You know, I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has it entered the heart of any man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Do you love God? Yes. Well, if you love God, according to the word of God, if you love God, he's gone ahead of you, prepared things for you so that when you get to where you're going, you'll have what you need to do what you've been created to do. Right? He has prepared some things. How many of you, though, have found out that you get to where you're going and it seems as if you ain't got what you need to get the job done? Have you ever been there? You don't all have to raise your hand at once, but I bet there, some of us have been in a place where we looked around wondering, where is what I need? Well, could it possibly be that God gave us what we needed, but when we got to where we were going, we'd already let go of it and we no longer had it in our possession? I don't know how many times... You know, this is easy to see with, with finance. I don't know how many times, you know, unexpected uh, finances came into our life. We had a party, and then we went down the road and found out why we should not have had a party. Right? Because now all of a sudden we need it. And then we're asking God to give us what we need to meet this need. And he's saying, I already did. Hello, somebody. Right? I, I already gave that to you. Well, what do you mean you already gave it to me? Well, you did this with it. Oops. Now we want God to bless our lack of education. Well, how many are glad that God always comes through, right? He, he's just trying to teach you. He's just a good father, just trying to equip you. But what would the difference be if we would take time, investigate, find the purpose for that which God's given to us, refuse to let the enemy take it from us? I mean, you know, if God has prepared things, stuff, for those who love him, don't you want your stuff? Come on, somebody. Don't you want your stuff? Don't you want what God has prepared for you? But if the enemy can, he, he will he, he'll distract you. He will lead you astray. He'll cause you to overlook and to not see what God has prepared for you. Because what God has prepared for you is what's going to position you for the victory and success that God has promised you. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts and the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God has a plan of a hope and a future for you. He's taking you into the future so that you can have an increased blessing demonstration in your life. You've got to realize that hell's doing everything it can to rip from your grip the promise of God. But you've got to understand that when you do what he said, he will produce what he promised every single time. So I've got to do what he said. Well, in order to do what he said, I must first know what he said, right? Which is why we're telling you, get in that book. Man, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Get in that book. Study the word of God. Don't even take my word for it. Make sure that I'm not off someplace. Get, open the book and read that book. Man, study the word of God. Well, Pastor Tom, when I read the word, I just fall right to sleep. Well, when you wake up, start again. 
Man, if, if all it takes for the enemy to pull from your grip, the word of God is, is, is a, a nap time, well, you're an easy target. We got to get a little bit more uh, active than that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we got to get a grip. We got to get a grip. We got to get a grip on what God has given to us. Somebody say amen. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Just want to give you some points today that I think will help get a grip on everything God's given you. It'll get a grip on parenting. It'll give you a grip on your finances. Get, get a grip on your spiritual maturity. It'll give you a grip on the possession of God placed within your hand. Watch. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. That's a pretty easy verse to actually, you know, burn into your memory. Let's, let's read it together. Watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. Everybody say it with me. Watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. Say it again. Watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. Quit ye like men. Be strong. Take it down. And let's say it again. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong. Look at that. You've already learned one verse. Watch, watch, watch. Get your eyes open. Okay, here's number one. Watch. Be careful how you're living. Watch yourself. You, you know, we have a tendency to watch everybody else. Now, why don't you take heed to yourself? Now, watch, open your eyes, become alert. The night is far spent. Time is at hand. Something's about ready to happen. God's wanting to do a new thing. There, there is breakthrough on the horizon. Well, don't just miss it. Don't miss your opportunity to be the person that God's called and created you to be. You know, I think sometimes we, we are so easily distracted. The, the Message Bible calls it sideshow distractions. You, you know, how many of you know that it, it's so easy to get distracted by other things in life and, and invest all your time, effort, and resource into that thing and later find out it didn't matter? Hello? I, I mean, think about how much of your day is spent on things that at the end of the day nobody cares about. Not even you. Someday we want to stand before the judgment seat, right? And we want to hear, well done, not so what? I want to hear God say, good job, not what were you doing? I don't want to just make it to heaven. I want to come in a success. Come on, guys. I, 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 don't, want to, I don't want to just get by. But I, I want to make my father proud. I want to fulfill destiny. I want to achieve the greatness that God has created me to achieve. Inside you, there is a, there, there is a seed that has the potential to unlock a harvest of incredible, effective blessing, not just for you, for all kinds of people. Don't, don't you know in Genesis 12, it says, all the families of the earth shall be blessed by thee. All, people all around you in desperate need, their suffering humanity surrounds us. They need somebody who will rise up and walk in the anointing and the blessing and the calling of God. We, we have not just been saved, but called. 
And not according to works or our, our desire, but according to his purpose. Isaiah 49 says that in your mother's belly, he knew you and he even knew your name. I, I, I thank God that when God knew my name, it wasn't the name that others were going to call me throughout life. How do you know that people have called you some things? That wasn't God. That when God called your name, he, he knew what he was talking about. It says in verse 5, it, says, it goes on. Think about it. It says that he, he called you to be his servant. Now, you, in your mother's belly, he formed you, called you by your name, called you to be his servant. In other words, he had a purpose and a plan for you. Let's go fulfill God's purpose. Let's honor the purpose of God and devote ourselves to give some passionate pursuit to finding out what God's called us to do and taking advantage of every moment that is impregnated with purpose. I believe every day there are moments in your life that, that, that are just impregnated with purpose, but many times we miss them because we're not watching. We're, we're, we're busy with other things. We're busy with our plan. We're busy with stuff that, that really is only there to distract us. I don't know how many people have had relationships implode because they focused on things really that didn't matter. I mean, they, they seem big to you, seem like the world to you, but at the end of the day, at the end of the chapter, wasn't really enough in and of itself. You know, we just got focused on the wrong thing. You know, I, I, I shared with you not too long ago about the, you know, the extreme skiers, the guys that are going downhill skiing, and, and, uh, and they, these, it's incredible the speed that they're going at. Now they do extreme skiing, downhill skiing through the trees, and, and they interviewed one of the gals that was the current world champion and asked her, how do you do this? And she said that she just looked for the white space between the trees. She's a genius. Think about it. The thing that you look at is the thing you're going to collide with. Look for the white space, right? In your life, life is so hectic, so chaotic, so busy, so filled with stuff. You got to know what you're looking at. You got to watch. You got to keep your eyes open. You got to stay alert. You got to be awake. We want, we, we want a life that's ease. We want a life that we coast. We want a life that, where, where things come to us. God's looking at us saying, you know what? You're better than that. You're stronger than that. You got more, more potential than that. Watch. Open your eyes. Take advantage of every opportunity that God brings you. Don't get caught up in silly stuff that isn't going to make a difference. Don't be bothered by things that don't matter. Be connected to things with purpose. And to do that, you've got to keep your eyes open. What are you looking at? You've got to be careful how you live. We can't just live and throw it, you know, throw it out there and say, well, if it's God's plan and he'll make it happen, then why would he need you? You play a much more vital role than that. You might as well get smart. You've, you play a vital role in the purpose and plan of God. If you didn't, you wouldn't be around. Hello, somebody. You'd just be a greasy spot on the highway of life. Out of here. Over. Lump. But here you are, inhaling and exhaling, using up our oxygen. Well, if you're going to do it, then activate yourself and get involved with what God's doing. Come on. Watch. 
Look, what are you looking at? In Matthew 6, it says that if you fill your eye with darkness, then your whole life will be filled with darkness. If you fill your eye with light, your whole life will be filled with light. What are you looking at? You know, if God says watch, in the New Testament alone, there's 1,050 commandments. I know that we like to walk around saying we're free from the law, but what are we going to do with the 1,050 commandments in the New Testament? When God, when God says to do something, you've got to do it, don't you? Micah 6, 8, remember it says, Here's, God's told you what's good. Walk with God. Amos 3, 3 says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? So in order to walk with God, you've got to get in agreement with God. If you're in disagreement with God, actually you're in sin. Hello? Said if you're in disagreement with God, actually you are in sin. So if you're going to live a life that's holy, that ain't got nothing to do with your hairstyle or the length of your dress or, or anything else. What holiness has to do with is your ability to agree with God. If God said it, that settles it. Have you seen the bumper sticker that says, if God says it, that or I, I believe it, and that settles it? You know what? You don't even have to believe it. If God says it, that settles it. Now you've got to get in agreement with it. You want to live holy? Then get in agreement with God. And when God says, watch, that's not a suggestion. It, that, that, that's a precept. You know, a, a, a precept is a thought that has not been contaminated. It is a, it, it, it's coming from God, man. It, th this is his word to his people. Watch. Open your eyes. Look at where you're stepping. Look at where you're going. Look at what you're doing. Isn't it strange that when we do open our eyes, we have a tendency to look at the wrong thing? Why? My ways aren't your ways, God said. So we've got we to have an intimate relationship with God so we know what we're watching. You know, just on a, on a little bit more practical note, you've got to ask yourself, what am I watching? What am I drawn to? What, what do my eyes lock on to? Do, do I find good, positive things to praise? Or are my eyes more motivated to find the negative in every situation? Am I looking for why this won't work? Or am I looking for the one thing that's going to make it happen? We, you know what? If you're not careful, you, it, you won't see it. You got to open your eyes. You got to let God direct your vision. You got to say, God, man, I, I need some new eyeballs up in here. I need to see the good things. I, I need to see the positive. I, I need to see the opportunity. I need to see the ability that you've, that you've created inside of me to go out here and do great things. I, I, need, I need to see clearly. I need the scales removed from my eyes. I want to see. Do you want to see what God has for you? You know, God's moving in every one of our lives, but there are so many times that when, when we're in conversations with people, they're not talking about uh, God moving in their life. They're talking about trials and challenges and troubles that they have. And, and you know, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of natural to recognize that there's some stuff going on, but how come you can't see God moving? You got to look. You, I said, you've got to look. I think the Bible says we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are unseen are eternal. Well, we're not supposed to be looking at what the whole world sees. The natural man sees all that stuff. The, but the unseen, not the invisible, the unseen. The things that you haven't seen yet. You know what? If you don't look for it, you ain't going to see it. 
There are things in the room right now that have been here since you came in here that don't, but just because you haven't seen them don't mean they aren't there. They're there. You know, it's the fire extinguisher hanging on the wall over there. Most of you didn't know it was there. Why? Because you ain't never looked at it. Why? Because it wasn't that important. Well, if the fire takes off in here, somebody's going to want to find it because I'm going to be gone. And uh, <laughs> I, you know why they hang it by the door? It's on your way out. You say, yeah, there was one in there. We, we got to open our eyes and see. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. You got to get a grip on your vision. Get a grip on your vision. What is your vision? How big is your vision? Make sure that your vision's not too small. Make sure that you're not tapping into the, the creative powers of, of, of heaven and earth. You know, God, who has created everything, make sure that you're not tapping into him for almost nothing. Let, let's, let's, let's live big. I said, let's live big. Man, I urge you to step out into the open, wide, spacious life that God's called you to live in. The message Bible says, we didn't call you to live a small life. You just live it that way. Hey, guys, let's not live small. Let's live big. Let's believe God for big things. Don't be intimidated by gas prices. Well, gas is $4.17 a gallon. That's half price. Go to Europe. It's like nine bucks a gallon. You should be happy. Well, yeah, but for, you don't understand the impact that's having. That ought to motivate your faith because my God supplies all my needs. Come on, somebody. Don't live so small. Don't be so intimidated by what you've seen. If you see a problem, then what you ought to be looking for is a solution that's so big it swallows that problem. Why? God's on my side. Have you read your book? Psalms 118 says, The Lord is on your side. God himself has called you out of darkness into the marvelous light of his dear son. He's trying to, he's trying to move you into a place of revelation and insight. He called you to the light. He's the light of the world. Somebody turn the light on so we can see something. Let's see something new. Isaiah 43, 18, remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. For behold, I shall do a new thing. Shall you not know it? You know another word there? Can, can, can you not see it? Man, watch for it. Watch for it. God's wanting to produce change. Everybody loves the product of change. Most of us struggle with the process. Why? Because we can't see ourselves doing anything new. We can't see a situation turn out any other way than the way we've pictured it. Well, Watch and watch yourself. Get a grip on your vision. Get a grip on your vision. Number two, stand fast in the faith. You got to be careful how you live. Now you got to be careful what you're standing in. Hello, somebody. You've stepped in something. You might want to check out what that is. You know, a lot of times our belief systems, you know, every action is a manifestation of a belief system, okay? Every act, you really want to you, you really see what you believe, write down everything you do because your actions are the pictures of your true belief. If I asked you today, and I'm not, so don't raise your hand, okay? But if I asked you today, how many of you believe reading the Bible is important? Everybody would raise their hand. But then if we got real honest and said, how many of you read your Bible every day, that number would be quite different. Why? Because it sounds good to say, I believe that. But if you really believe it, you really do it. Hello? 
you know, I, I realize this kind of this kind of an attack on your belief system. But a lot of your belief systems can be abbreviated BS belief system. You don't really believe that. Hello. I believe I believe in prayer. And these are people who never pray. You don't really because every action is a manifestation of your belief system. You, you got to look at yourself. You got to watch and make sure that you're not being drawn away by a belief system that's not founded on that word of God. And you got to stand fast in the faith. Not everything in the faith, the faith, right? The faith. The just shall live by faith. Guys, the just shall live by faith. If you're born again, you're justified. If you're justified, you're part of the just. If you're the just, you're going to live by faith. You're either going to live by faith on demand or faith on purpose. Why? Well, God's not a man that he can lie. If God says the just are going to live by faith, you're going to live by faith. If you're living by faith, it's going to be because you're in trouble or because you're creating trouble. Hello, somebody? Why is it every time you need your faith is somebody sick or got a major problem? Supposed to be living by faith every day. Well, you know what? Faith on, faith on demand is when you're in trouble. Faith on purpose is when you're creating trouble for darkness. Right? I, I intend to live my life faith on purpose. I, I, I want to get out ahead of the junk and be so busy doing what God's called us to do that the stuff that normally would cause us to stumble and slow down, we don't even notice it. Hello, somebody. You're going to live by faith. What are you standing in? Have you got, have you got a, 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 a position, according to the word of God, to stand on? See, all you need is a word from God. Remember Peter in the boat? If it's really you, bid me come. Jesus said one word, come. And Peter got out of the boat and stood on the water, standing on that one word. You need a word from God. Man, what do you believe in God for? Have you got a word for it? You know, the doctor says you're dying. Well, I got a word for you. The Bible says I shall not die but live and declare the goodness of my king. I got a word for you. My son, attend unto my voice and hearken unto my sayings, for they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Well, that sounds silly. Tell my dad that who was sent home to die, had tubes going up his nose to feed him so weak he couldn't hold his head up. And then 20 years later, after he had built several churches and preached all over the country, actually halfway around the world, tell him how silly that sounds. What are you standing in? Come on, guys. What are you standing in? You got to get a grip on where you're standing. Get a grip on your belief. Get a grip on your faith. We got to start living the Word of God. Somebody say, that's me. Number three, quit you like men. Here's our Father's Day portion. Quit you like men, because, you know, some of the women are going, I don't want to be a man. Uh, if you read it in any other translation, it'll say, be, in, uh, you know, be, be encouraged or, or uh, be courageous. Quit you like men. I want to talk to the men for a minute. Men, act like a man. Live like a man. Believe like a man. Pray like a man. Give like a man. Praise like a man. Quit being a sissy about it. That's an incredible response. I know I, I have to be careful lest I offend some of the men. 
You got to get a grip on your fear. I'm not afraid of anything. I've noticed, by the way, you lead your family in prayer. I'm not afraid. I've noticed. Guys, you know what I love about this church? Is that the men lead the church. Guys, I want to encourage you. Keep living like men. Keep, you know what? I get phone calls every week from other ministries trying to draw little nuggets out of us. Because when we have a, you know, a men's event, you know, one of our last things, we had over 100 and, what was it, 140 men, you know, come to the church. We've got another thing coming up. Men, we're going to be men. You know, I'm not asking you to jump up and down, wave your arms and get a, a tambourine with, with stringers on it. Matter of fact, please don't. Um, <laughs> I had a guy ask me last night if he could join the band and play the tambourine. I told him to come Tuesday night to rehearsal so we could give him rejection and privacy. But um, <laughs> if you love the tambourine, enjoy that in your home. Um, <laughs> just a personal thing. Um, don't be afraid to be a man. I got to get on track. <laughs> I just keep picturing all you guys with tambourines and streamers. It's going to be great. Uh, get some guts. I think every once in a while, you know, man, we, we have a tendency to, to slide back. But, but I got to challenge the men because to do what God's called me to do, I need men who aren't afraid to be a man of God. I've got to have men who will stand up and, and live by faith like a man of faith. You know, it's not that we're against women. It's just God's called us to, to, to bring the men back and get them to take their place in the, in the body of Christ and to quit acting like a bunch of sissified saints over there. Well, I, I prayed a sinner's prayer, and I'm going to go to heaven someday. Well, you know, live like a man. It takes some courage to stand up and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. Come on, men, help me. I need you. I, I, I'm so thankful, you know, it, the summer, the, you know, attendance goes way down. Well, somebody needs to be a man all summer long. <laughs> you know, give like a man, pray like a man, praise like a man, worship like a man. Don't be intimidated. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Well, let's live like we got that. Hey, man, let's demonstrate it. Look down the aisle, find a man, look him in the eye and say, I love you, man. Some of you guys are afraid to do that. We got to be careful how we live. We got to be careful the stand we take. And we got to be careful about who or what we believe. Yo, quit you like men. Have some courage. Trust God. I said, trust God that when you do what he said, that you're not going to be emasculated. You're going to be empowered. You're going to be equipped. When you were a little boy, you got a garbage can lid and used it for a shield. You picked up a stick and used it for a sword. You put a bucket on your head and used it for a helmet. You went out to war. Somewhere between adolescence and maturity, you got a democratic spirit. You got intimidated by confrontation. 
You, you, got, you got pushed down and squashed, afraid to stand up and put your foot down. What are other people going to think? Who cares? Your, your family is looking for somebody who will take that stand. Our city needs some men of God who will say, enough is enough. We're going to be men of God. Whether you like it or not, going to be a man of God. I'm not talking about, you know, some weird lifestyle that, that, that just is nice and polite. Shoot, you don't even have to be polite. Be a man of God. Don't be afraid to be a man of God. Live for God and just be a man. Come on, somebody. Look at number four. Be strong. Watch ye stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. This is a commandment. Sometimes we use weakness as an excuse to justify disobedience. Well, I'm not doing what God says because I'm weak in that area. Well, if you, then you better grow because if, if strength is a commandment, then weakness is a sin. Be strong. Be strong. Develop those muscles. Now, work it out. Find a way to walk in obedience to the Word of God. Be strong. What I think we have to do here is tie number four with number one. Watch, because if you're not careful, you'll overlook your strengths. You have some great strengths. Make sure you see them. There, you know, there's a difference between arrogance and confidence. You can walk in great confidence knowing you are who God's created you to be. Recognize your strength. And use it to promote God's kingdom. Be who God's called you to be. Mark 8, 36. I want to put this scripture up on the screen. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What does it profit? You know, for a long time, we, we, we kind of had a mentality that uh, prosperity was financial increase and that that was going to solve everything and uh, Spiritual needs cannot be met by material goods. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world? But he still has lost himself, his soul. Let me read it this way. What does it prosper a father to teach his children to gain the whole world when he fails to teach them how not to forfeit their soul? Man, we got to be strong. We got to be strong fathers. Mom, you got to be a strong mother. We got to be strong people of God. We, gotta, we, we can't be so easily crushed, so quickly offended, so readily moved. We got to have some strength. And our strength really comes through our relationship with with our father it's father's day we need to turn our heart back to god there's so many things that we are pursuing so many desires that we have so many dreams and visions that we want to pull out but nothing nothing should be more valuable to us than our relationship with god 
you know, one of the one of the things that just saddens me that I, it's it's something that God's just really stirring on me. Maybe it's because you know this week's youth camp, and uh, I, I'll be going with the youth for the first couple of days to youth camp, and and I look at our youth, and and I realize that many many of the youth in the church today they don't really have a personal awareness and knowledge, a real intimate relationship. They don't have a relevant relationship with God. You know, and as a parent, it, it, it kind of touches you at, 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 in a place that nothing else can touch you because, you know, like Sam said, today he wants his sons to know God better than he does. But, you know, relationship is not something that you can hand to, to somebody else. You know, I, I've tried. I, I've tried to take my relationship with God and, and give that to my children, but it won't work. They, they've got to they build their own. We need to have a strength that can only be found in a personal, intimate relationship with God. I can't give you the relationship that you need with God. you got to go get it. And guys, i got to tell you something. I have to watch every day. Every day I've got to watch or I can be easily distracted by other things. I, I gotta, you know, stand in faith every day. I gotta make sure I'm standing on the word of God every day. There's attack and warfare, and hell's trying to rip from my grip my ability to trust God every day. I gotta remind myself, live like a man of God every day. I'm the pastor. If I have to endure that, so do you. I know that if the enemy can cause me to question things, he, he's, he can rattle your brain just as well. I don't know anybody who's never been confronted with the thought, is there really a God? Is this real? How do we know we're right? Every day there's a warfare that's out to rob you of your future, your family, your faith. Every day you've got to have strength in your relationship with God. If you ever found yourself in a moment when you knew what God said according to the word, you knew by revelation of your spirit, you knew nothing could take that from you. That's the way we're supposed to live every day, not at moments that we can pick out several over the course of a lifetime. Every day we should have a faith that's burning inside of us and pulsating through our veins. I know because I've been in the presence of God. I have relationship with God. You know, I, I, I want us to get to a place where we live almost like addicts. You, 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 know, you know people who have been so addicted to the wrong thing that they'd get up in the middle of the night and sneak out just to get a little another hit. You know, if you weren't careful, they'd reach into your purse and steal your loose change just so they could buy enough to get one more hit. They'd take time off of work. They'd not go to work. They'd, they'd, they'd run away for days on end and come back. Why? Because they just had to go get some more. Shouldn't we be that way about our relationship with God? And wake up in the middle of the night and slip out. So, you know, don't want to wake anybody. Why? Because i got to go be alone with God. Sometime before the coffee break, there you are wandering off. Why? Because you've got to get another hit in the presence of the Most High. Man, you'd, you'd be willing to skip lunch just to have one more, just one more, you know, deposit from Him into your life. Addicted to the presence of God. I said addicted to the presence of God. It's the kind of strength in our relationship we need to develop. We need to get downright nuts about God. Just hungry. You know, Quite often we read Jeremiah 29, 11, or I quote it to you quite a bit. 
You may not have noticed that I do that quite, quite often. Today, I, I, I want to take you one, two verses deeper. You know, I know the thoughts I have for you, plants prosper you. Verse 12 says, then you will call on me, and you will come and pray to me, and I will hear you. Then you will seek me, inquire for me, and require me as a vital necessity, and find me when you search for me with all your heart. You know, if you think your strength is in your portfolio, it doesn't take much to wipe that out. If you think your strength is in your skill, in your talent, it doesn't take much to lose that. If you think your strength is in the people you know, you've got to tell you something about people. They're kind of fickle. People that are really close to you today, five years from now, might, might not even be willing to talk about you. Your strength is in your relationship with God. He is your strength. And when he says, be strong, that is one of the most open, generous, and extravagant invitations that you'll ever hear. God's saying, connect with me. Don't, don't know my power. Be my power. Don't, don't, don't read about relationship. Own it. Don't, don't, don't stand close enough to get smoke on you. Get up there and get in the fire. Be strong. If you're here today, I want you to just close your book and set your stuff down. If you would, I... I I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. If you're here today and say, you know what? I need to pursue a relationship with God, a relevant relationship with God. I need to strengthen my relationship with God. I don't care if you've been saved 90 times or never. You know that what you have is not a relevant relationship. You know that, that he's not the strength. You, you're not in hot pursuit of God. You, you know what? I, I'm asking you today, if you're here and you say, you know what? I want to increase my appetite for God. I believe that many of us are we're, we're certain that, that, we're, that we're satisfied, but the fact is, is that we're famished. We, we, we haven't had God in so long that we, 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 we've learned to live a life separated. And I'm praying today that on this Father's Day that you'll be hungry for a real relationship with God, an explosive, dynamic relationship where God is, is just changing you moment by moment, glory to glory, from the inside out, and that you, are, you so desire to, uh, to have more and more of him. Are you here today and say, Pastor Tom, that's me. I, I need to go to that place. I, I want to pursue God. I want to draw near to God so that he'll draw near unto me. I want to take a step towards God today. 